and welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Karen Steckley. With me, as always, co-host, beat writer, and when he plays hoops, he never apologizes after a hard foul. He is Cody Stavenhagen. Cody, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I am back in the great state of Michigan, and there's snow on the ground. Uh, but now that you mention it, I'd love to go play some pickup basketball or like get a technical foul like we used to <laughs> in intramurals. That was that was always good. I I, I did play a couple weeks ago, uh, and it was like freezing rain outside, but it was still fun to get out there, you know. And and uh, now that you're back in Detroit, the bad boys, you know. Lift the, the opponent up after a hard foul. You don't apologize. Don't you move yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're back after a little bit of an absolute. We, we, hold on, we were absolutely the bad boys of Oklahoma State C League intramurals. I mean, there's just no doubt. Yeah, I'm not. That'll that that'll eventually filter its way into College Chronicles, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even going to be like our glory athletic times. It's just going to be like times we almost got in fights and. <laughs> <laughs> And other shenanigans like that. Well, it's good to be back behind the mic with you, Cody. Uh, after took a little Christmas break uh, with Christmas coming on a holiday and seeing families and travels and all that stuff is just. Plus, you got this Omicron variant, all these things going on. It was just kind of hard to to settle down for a second. Uh, you ever get yourself a nice little break there in Texas overall? Yeah, it was good. I mean. Typical holidays, right? A lot of fun, a lot of good times, a lot of like stress and anxiety too. Uh, but Happy New Year to all our listeners out there. Hoping good things to come in 2022, especially on the baseball front if we ever get past this lockout thing. Uh, I think it's going to be a good year. Yeah, safe to say that everyone's Christmas wish list included an end to the labor dispute. Um, <laughs> and if you are a supporter of this podcast and the ethos of this podcast an end to labor dispute that is pro-labor that is that is uh what we're hoping for here um but in the meantime it's still sort of it'd be a dead period anyway so it's not necessarily out of the realm uh of normalcy of what's going on on the baseball front but to kind of harken back to some of the work you did with the athletic you guys did for the third year third year fourth year third year i've done it and i think they did one before i had even started at the athletic well just might have been the fourth nothing before at the athletic detroit cody staven hagen counts so therefore we're going to say this is the third detroit beat writer <laughs> round table uh basically kind of state of the franchises as uh things are uh, more on hope and less on results in the Detroit sports market. But this time's a little bit different. The Tigers, you know, obviously you got some amazingly talented and uh, insightful colleagues at the Athletic. Seems like the Tigers got brought up more and more when it's like, you know, which team can make the playoffs? Which team has, you know, this kind of buzz? Which team is, you know, can win a championship? Tigers came up an awful lot, Cody, and I'm starting to think that they might be the first franchise to, dare I say, turn the corner. I mean, they went four for four on our Detroit Beat Rider Roundtable. Chris Burke with the Lions, James Edwards, who covers the Pistons, Max Boltman, who covers the Red Wings. Everyone picked the Tigers to be the most likely um, next team to, to win a championship. And um, got, you know, kind of right up there with the Red Wings on which team could be the next to make the playoffs. I think it was kind of a consensus that the Tigers overall are the closest to turning the corner and probably overall the, the team headed in the best direction right now. I mean, I think there's a lot of hope for the Red Wings. I think the Pistons are in the very early stages, but there's a lot of hope there. Uh, look, I don't know about I don't know about your lines, Kieran, but um, <laughs> the Tigers have actual pieces at the major league level now. And in addition to guys like Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal, you've added a couple big free agents in Javi Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez. You have your other two biggest prospects, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green, right on the cusp of the major leagues. Like, we are, I don't know if we're here yet. I don't know if we're arrived. Like, the thing I said in the roundtable was like, this thing is in the oven. It's not done yet, but it's it's cooking. 
it, it definitely is cooking and it'd be you know you and i big fans of barbecue it definitely be a low and slow smoke process so. <laughs> it's it's been a low and slow smoke yeah we're we're fine we're finally getting uh, uh to the late stages here but we're able to those put some sauce the, on those it. are the best kinds of things to eat right you know you can't microwave yourself a rebuild it's like you can't microwave yourself no. a pair of ribs no. or a brisket or a pulled pork and i think someone should sell that to the texas rangers <laughs> well uh Maybe the Texas Rangers are like the uh, the Snuffers lasagna. Uh, Snuffers lasagna. I don't even know what the name of it is. I don't eat frozen lasagna. What? Are, yeah, Snuffers lasagna. Snuffers. Hey, those are good. I make those from time uh, to time. Uh, they're they're not as good as like a homemade lasagna, which I can also make. All right, I, I can cook a little bit, but uh, <laughs> like you know, during the baseball season it gets busy. Like I'll put in a Snuffers lasagna every now and then. They're they're not bad. So I, I don't know if that's going to win you a championship though. <laughs> well, the the Rangers definitely. Uh, stole the show i mean if it wasn't for the rangers the tigers would probably be the number one team of the offseason you know up to the lockout obviously where Correa went to that would have been the big buzz the rangers kind of stole the show a little bit uh, i'm still not convinced that's the 100 percent right way to go about it but i appreciate them spending money you should never be upset about billionaires actually investing into uh into their team so uh real quick the rangers create an interesting discussion right the tigers have gotten so much heat for this long rebuild a couple years where they were more or less you know tanking um the rangers are not doing that they're going out and signing Corey seager and marcus simeon even though they don't have a ton of other pieces and i know their farm isn't even as promising as the tigers was uh, I feel like they're shortcutting it a little bit and they've kind of been trying to shortcut it for like a decade at the same time. Yeah. Like, well, they are trying to field a competitive product. So how much can you really hate on them for that? I don't know, but I, um, I just, I think that's a team that for a long time has needed to accept it's time to totally start over. Now you're looking at like, you got two really good players, but like, what, how much else do you actually have? I don't know. Well, and we still know about their manager. We don't have to go too far into, you know, the Rangers, obviously. But it is, you know, a contrasting style where, like we said, the Tigers did low and slow. You know, drafted, developed. Uh, one of the pieces that, or steps, I guess you would say, we saw this year was a heavy investment in uh, revitalizing, revamping the, uh, I hate to use the lazy term, but analytical department. You know, and and the base, I'll say baseball science. Is that better? Baseball science department? It's not the official. Performance science, performance. I think, is what, what we're going okay, with. Okay, yeah. performance science, heavy investments there. Sort of out with the new guard, or out with the old guard, and with the new guard. Uh, the A.J. Hinch hire. Um, and, I, and I do think as much as fans, like if you're like a Yankees fan, you're just thinking about like, whatever the next big free agent you sign or the next big trade you make or whatever. And, and that's sort of what the Rangers did this year with obviously with the big signings. I do think there is some added benefit to seeing something start, you know, step one and then seeing it come to fruition and be successful. I guess what that level of success is can kind of vary. Obviously no style guarantees a world series build. But you know the '84 Tigers were a bunch of homegrown guys, and I think and I think I can only speak to the Detroit sports fan mindset. I think seeing these guys grow, the the Red Wings with Dylan Larkin, you know, Kay Cunningham in his first year with the Pistons, uh, Matthew Stafford was beloved for many years. A guy that was obviously drafted by the Lions. I think it's it'd be a little bit more fulfilling to see this kind of go step by step and seeing them go from 19 year old 20 year olds into you know major league baseball all-stars i mean i just think that's a little bit more of a rewarding experience now should you build your team that way just because you want the fans to have a better more rewarding experience i'm not saying that but i'm saying if this is what you're witnessing i do think there's a lot of merit to it and you specifically getting to see them grow on a daily basis i think as a beat writer is pretty cool 
Yeah, I don't want to over-glamorize like, the process of a rebuild. I mean, 2018 and 2019 and 2020 were not fun years. Uh, 19 and 20 were not fun for me as a beat writer, for, a, for probably even worse for fans. Like, Why would you watch the team every day? Why would you pay your hard-earned money to come to the ballpark to see um, what in, at times in 2019 was basically a glorified AAA team? Um, at the same time, yeah, there is kind of a rewarding feeling to know that maybe you're on the ground floor or something. I think especially the 2021 Tigers where you could look around and start to see the general shape of things, start to see the difference AJ Hinch and Chris Fetter and those guys made and, and think, man, this might be something special and it might be cool to be here for, for kind of the um, the start of it. And I think for those fans who have stayed loyal and who have kept a pulse on the team throughout this, it's going to be really cool to see this thing come to fruition. Uh, so, so like, yeah, it goes back to like, what's right, what's wrong. How much do you trust the process, which didn't totally work out for the Philadelphia 76ers? <laughs> like to a degree, like credit maybe to Al Avila and the Tigers front office for staying patient. It can't be fun when you're getting ripped in the media every day when the fans are sick of you and sick of losing. But you commit to a plan and you kind of have to stick it out. And now it looks like this thing might just work. Yeah. And I and there was some solace always for me being like, I actually do feel like the Tigers have a plan. Now, whether it's how much you would agree with there, you know, that, that that's all a different discussion in my mind. But they always had a plan. The Rangers, like, did they just, like, have a plan to just sign Simeon and uh, and Seager? Like, it's like two years uh, two years ago, they were like, all right, these guys are going to be free agents, and we think Simeon's going to, like, all of a sudden hit 40 home runs, and uh, Seager's going to, like, want to leave Los Angeles for some reason, and we're going to sign them both. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind of felt like a little bit more spur of the moment. Good on them. Good on them. But I, I'm not sure it was uh, it was actually in the planning stages, I guess. But um, with regards to the 2022 Tigers, we're going to see, and just continue this cooking analogy, some of the key ingredients finally come in. Uh, you wrote an article as well about the predictions you're making for, uh, for the 22 Tigers. And... Some of them were pretty easy. Some of them, it seemed like you, you had to, uh, not going to say reach, but sort of anticipate. Uh, one of your easiest ones had to be, and we have to spend too much time on it because we, we talked about it last podcast. One of your easier predictions had to be Riley Green, opening day starter, opening day roster. Uh, but I did find it interesting. You went ahead and did the Spencer Torkelson 25-plus home runs and Rookie of the Year finalist in there. Uh, that one, lack of a turn, might be a little bit more of choppy water just because we don't anticipate him immediately, you know, starting with uh, the Major League Club. And then, you know, 25 home runs in your first Major League season. I mean, that's uh, that's those that's a high bar. So what 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 made you kind of settle on that for for Spencer and Riley, if you want to dive in on that a little bit? Yeah, number one, I tried to get a little more specific in this year's predictions because 2020 I felt like I made like some blanket <laughs> predictions that were that's why I had such a high success rate I was just like oh yeah people will like AJ Hinch like <laughs> oh yeah like this guy will like do good so I was like all right I'm gonna challenge myself make you know have to actually hold myself to some things I think we've talked a lot about Riley Green I think it just makes sense unless he really has a poor camp for him to be on the opening day roster uh, Torkelson, you know, the 25 homers, I, you know, I'm not sure I'm a hundred percent certain that's going to happen, but I think it's a fun prediction that I could easily see if he gets up to the big leagues relatively early in the year, if not at the start of the year. Um, I mean, I think he is just a special hitter with pop that is always going to play. I think there's a world in which maybe he doesn't hit for a stellar average and, you know, like we've seen at times, can rotate between overly aggressive and overly passive in his plate approach. But I think this guy's got pop that is always going to play. I think he's going to hit for power in the big leagues from day one. Whereas even Riley Green, I think, man, he has real star potential. He can be very special. But I wonder 
you know, I mean, he's, he's going to be like 21. Like maybe it takes a couple years for him to really come into his power ceiling at the major league level. Like I could see that. I think Torque's going to hit from, for power for day one. And as a result of that, I think you're going to look at the numbers and it's going to be easy to pencil him in as a rookie of the year finals. So you, you wouldn't put, so you're basically saying you don't think Green's going to be a guy that's going to make. I'm not saying Riley Green also won't be a rookie of the year finalist, but I think I'm a little more certain in Torkelson putting up some numbers that will make him a rookie of the year finalist. Okay, that's fair. Riley Green could also be, but it's also it's also like how much do you get biased toward the Tigers' own prospects? Like last year when people were like, oh, Casey Mize and Akil Badu and Eric Haas should all be rookie of the year finalists. And none of them were because there were other guys who were just – there was Wander Franco who's the top prospect in all of baseball. Like next year, Bobby Witt Jr. is going to play for the Royals, and he is a monster. And like as good as Torkelson and Green are, Witt might be even better. So – also worth noting let's, some of those guys who are realistic. playing on you know playoff teams. That's obviously that's yeah. obviously a factor. And uh, you know you mentioned Wit. I was literally about to ask you overall. You think Wit's a do you, you rank Wit higher as a prospect than than Green or Torque or? Um. Yeah, probably a little bit. Uh, plays a premium position. Everything I hear is that he's he's just a monster. I think people around the game. You know, I. I had a couple pretty knowledgeable people be like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to be rookie of the year. Like, that's a bold thing to say about anyone. We have no idea how anyone's going to fare as a rookie, but Wit is really, really good. That's not to knock Torque or Green at all because I think they're all in the elite tier of prospects. Now, if you were to rank him one, two, three, I, I don't know. I would, I would lean toward putting Bobby Wit number one. That's fair. I mean, that's a, it's another guy who's had really nothing but hype since his prep days and has done nothing to uh, take that shine off of him. And so uh, the future, and especially another reason why we want to bring up Wit, and we'll probably bring him up every now and a lot during the season, should it ever happen, uh, is you just got to start looking at divisional foes. We We know the White Sox obviously are talented and loaded and, um, really actual, you know, championship contenders right now. You know, they'll go sleeping on the Royals if they, you know, it, you know, whip pans out and some of these other, you know, moves they make, you know, start to go out. Like, that's, there's going to be a time where the Royals could potentially challenge the Tigers for, like, the next team of the division. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so. Yeah, I've liked what the Royals have been doing for a long time. And until last year, they seemed to kind of have a leg up on the Tigers. The Tigers kind of leapfrogged them last year, but they have ownership that's already shown they're willing to spend some money. They have a, uh, a really good farm system, too. Can the Tigers ultimately have a little more? I, I kind of think so, but I, yeah, I like the exactly. Royals' direction. Uh, I, I really liked you kind of went these back-to-back in your predictions with uh... – Tigers are an above 500 team, but not really a playoff team. Asterisks, as things currently stand, playoff format-wise. Because uh, I think there's there's going to be this faction of people that weren't like kind of grinding out through the rebuild, and they're going to be like, hearing all the buzz on the Tigers, they're going to you know hear about these names like Green, and okay, that Mize guy looks pretty good, Torkelson. Uh, you know what? They're so good. Why aren't they making the playoffs? <laughs> and uh, the fact is, as it current stands, it's it's hard it's hard to make the playoffs. Uh, in Major League Baseball, you point out the Mariners winning ninety games and 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 not making the cut. Uh, this is your opportunity as we talk about the buzz of the Tigers to. Set some realistic expectations here for the folks. Uh, just because they don't make the playoffs if they win 85, 86, you know, games or whatever, that's still really good and in the right direction, no? Yeah, I think even A.J. Hinch has said this. Like, the goal is, is for A.J. is normally, like, win 90 games. And there's there's a lot of things out of your control in baseball. Last year, 90 games would not have gotten you into the playoffs which is crazy. 
the Tigers win 90 games next year, that's that's incredible for a, this young of a team. But they could win 90 games, and they could finish well behind the White Sox in the AL Central, and they could miss out on the wild card by a game or two. Um, I like everything the Tigers have done this offseason. I think they're going to be competitive next year. I think as long as they stay healthy, they have all the makings of a club that can be above 500. But getting into that next tier, that 90-plus win tier, I... Again, I don't want this to be like billboard material. I don't want to hear any players on Twitter being like, Cody <laughs> Stavenhagen of The Athletic doubts us. Because I really don't. Like, I like this team. I like the chemistry of this team. I think there is a little bit of a special element with AJ and his staff that maybe these guys can continue to overachieve. Like, I can see that world. But I think the most realistic world and kind of what a lot of the, the projection models are telling us is the Tigers are more probably in the 80 five-ish win range and I you know I you're putting a lot of stake on young pitchers continuing to get better probably putting a lot of stake on Torkelson and Green producing from day one like yeah you added Javi Baez but like who's who's actually your best hitter in in this lineup like who's gonna have the highest WRC plus next year what does Olive think Olive is adjusting to Michigan. It seemed like she was just whining about being cold. She's now run outside in the snow. So I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think she cares. I don't think she's really focused on baseball right now. Uh, <laughs> but like, who has the highest WRC plus in line? I don't know. Like Baez, like maybe if he doesn't strike out 200 times. Um, I think they, they're a year away from really being like, okay, uh, this is a playoff team. And so for, like, the fan base, I think that creates an interesting dichotomy. Like, how do you balance being excited about the team without, like, are we really going to declare this as the year of the Tigers? Um, Like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of buzz, a lot of reason to be excited about the Tigers. I think there'll probably be even more reason to be excited about the 2023 Tigers. You know, as I'm trying to think of, like, last year to, to, to this year, with the team and certain things translate year to year and and certain things don't and you talk about random stuff just off the top of your head how would you classify the tigers health-wise like injuries and stuff like last season did you think they were more like more unlucky with injuries or did you think it was all kind of chalk did the typical stuff to be expected because off the top off the top of my head I kind of look at like what the pitching rotation was opening day, and then I see kind of where it ended up, and it was a lot of long-term injuries. Now, obviously, Spencer Turnbull comes to mind uh, immediately, you know, after he throws shortly after he throws a no-hitter. But to me, it kind of seems like they were rather unlucky. Still managed to get, you know, to to pass their Vegas over/under on the on the on wins. Typically, injury luck, like if it's it's better to assume like if you're more injured one year, you'll probably won't be as injured the next year because those are random and random things don't tend to like repeat. But I just want to know if I'm wrong on like it seems like they were kind of more unlucky with injuries last year than what would be typical. Yeah, I don't have the um, like IL numbers in front of me, but I would guess the overall amount of like IL stints was pretty normal. Um, I do think the Tigers were somewhat unlucky in the nature and length and timing of some of their injuries. Like you said, Turnbull, Jake Rogers, Matthew Boyd. I mean, they lost all those guys at around the same time. Pretty big blows. They had, of course, other guys who were kind of nicked up all year. Um, That's important to remember that all that stuff is going to happen. There are going to be guys who are going to be nicked up and this is baseball. Like one of your pitchers is probably going to blow out his arm at some point. It's not fun to think about that. But like, imagine if this team had Spencer Turnbull right now, you wouldn't be needing a fifth starter. You'd have Turnbull who threw a no hitter. Who's really good. If you had Jake Rogers and Tucker Barnhart as your catchers, like, man, that's a heck of a catching duo. Or maybe you don't even go get Barnard and you allocate that 7.5 million and add another bat somewhere else. Like, it was really unfortunate. I think that Turnbull and Rogers were two of the guys who were lost because they were um, promising building blocks for the team. 
I think that was a little bit out of the normal to lose two guys for the season, to lose Matthew Boyd for, for almost, you know, he was out for a good chunk of the season, and then he was out so long uh, that he ended up being non-tendered for 2022. I think that was a little bit, a little bit unusual. One of the guys you mentioned a couple times in that article, um, and definitely a man that we've talked about at length on this podcast, uh, Jamer Candelario, Tiger of the Year. Um, did you, you mentioned that you think he's kind of a candidate for regression. Uh, that doesn't mean it's a prediction. You're just saying he's a candidate. So I, I want to get that straight. We're we're not producing yeah, both here we go down the jamer road again is he for real we, we've decided he's for real and now we're back to like oh but is he really well, you know <laughs> it's a back-to-back years of of solid baseball he's 28 uh if he does regress what does it look like i guess i i think i'm at the point where again i i don't think jamer is gonna fall off the cliff and like have to go to the minor leagues i think we're past that is there a world in which Jamer's 2022 is slightly worse than his 2021? Like, yeah, I think that's possible. I, I kind of expect his power numbers, his home run numbers to tick up a little bit, but he hit 271 with a 351 OBP. Say he hits 255 with a 331 base percentage. Like, he could still have a good year and not be as good if if that makes any sense um and i worry i worry like when i think about this tigers team if i get in my pessimistic mode i'm like okay so say that kind of happens to jamer say something similar happens to robbie grossman say something like that happens to akil badu and he can't hit lefties at all like like if guys like that drop off even just a little bit scope like all that seems within the realm of possibility and that's just what, why I worry about the the lineup and this team's run production a little bit. You mentioned uh, Robbie Grossman. Are you team pro? Give him an extension. Yeah, one more year. I say I say that would be good for the Tigers to get one at least one more year. Of Robbie. Grossman. And you think that's uh that's something? It seems like by all accounts that's something he'd sign up for, literally, figuratively. He sure seems interested in it. I think give him a small raise. You don't have to give him anything crazy. I think uh, if he's if he's legit about wanting to be in Detroit and wanting to be here, uh, I think make it happen. I don't think you have to do it right now. I think it makes sense to let things play out, see how Riley Green fares, see how Akil Badu fares, Derek Hill. Like We're still figuring out the exact makeup of the outfield. We barely talk about Daz Cameron anymore. Like I, I don't know. Like it's still a talented guy. Should we he's talk about him mix. more? Yeah, uh, because I, I'm guilty of that. He's he's coming to yeah, my mental I've, space. Yeah, I've like, yeah, I've, I'm guilty of it in my writing. In the way, I think we talked about one pod this off season. Like, I think the Tigers see things we don't in Daz, and that not necessarily in a good sense. They see a lot of little things that he's not doing right positioning, base running, I don't even know what else it is. But I think they really want to see Daz mature as a ball player, mature on the mental side of the game. And as a result of that, that's kind of why he's falling out of like the top of our mental space. Like probably not unless he tears it up in spring and make your opening day roster. Uh, that said, like Daz Cameron has a lot of talent. I think he's a pretty good fielder. Uh, if he gets a little more consistency, you know, and his hitting comes into a little more power, like, I don't know, he could still be a guy. I think it would be foolish to write off Daz Cameron just yet. You know, uh, a good start would be not having an injury uh, prior to spring training. Ooh, that's big time. Uh, he needs to stay healthy, big time. And he needs to, I don't know, like, probably prove he can play through a little pain, too. He's been a guy who's been nicked up, was nicked up a lot last year. Like, at what point? Like, it's hard to, like, I don't want to knock any guy for, like, being hurt because a lot of times that's out of your control. But it seems like Daz is also getting a reputation for one of those guys who always has something wrong, you know. And that's that's also going to hurt you in the long run. I will say this about Daz, is that if something happens and it, it clicks for him and he kind of pops a little bit to where, let's put a realistic expectation, he's like a fourth outfielder or something. Uh, that is a huge boom for your your roster uh, construction because 
they probably haven't written him off, but this is just me guessing. He's you know you're not banking on Daz Cameron anymore. We we we've moved past that. But if he can stick around, stick it out, and become somewhat of a respectable major league player, top to bottom your roster looks a lot better. So I don't think it, it, it's kind of like the Derrick Hill thing from when we were talking about it last year. Um, hell, Jamer kind of fits in this a little bit from what we were talking about you know, a couple years ago, and then even leading into 2021 to see if he could actually do it for a full season. So that that, baseball is weird like that. I mean, that's why we talk about like settling down, not, you know, not like overhyping somebody or, you know, writing them off too soon. As you often say, development, it's not just a straight line incline. And maybe Daz comes out on the other side of it. Yeah, I think we we tend to forget like how much in this Tigers rebuild has changed since 2019, and like the fact this thing might work even though a lot of things didn't work. I think because that's the nature of baseball. But in 2019, there's a lot of hype around Daz Cameron, and then Jake Rogers, and then it was like, well, we almost gave up on Jake Rogers, and then all of a sudden Jake proved he can play. Uh, Alex, Fi- like we didn't even know about Tarek Skubal, and everything was about like Alex Fiedo. Who knows about Fayeto now? I, I still kind of like him, but he's coming off Tommy John. Um, Fra- Franklin yeah, Perez. I was for that Franklin one. <laughs> Perez. Woo. Parker Meadows was like, oh shit, like maybe this guy, you know. That's like, I guess that's the nature of baseball a little bit. But also a testament the Tigers have had some things go wrong and have still been able to to pull this thing together a little bit. Kristen Stewart, like. It's a long list. (laughs) (laughs) This is why Tigers player development gets knocked a lot, okay? And and, rightfully so, I think. And also, those are a lot of guys that either A, you overhyped, or B, didn't develop the way you wanted to. It's hard. It's also hard. It's hard. It's hard. Player evaluation in any sport is incredibly difficult, Uh, probably especially when it comes to. Like projecting like a seventeen year old, an eighteen year old, nineteen year old, like how are they gonna do? Yeah. You know, it's it's a hard business. It's a hard business. Um we'll tie we'll tie up this section with uh a little shout out to friend of the podcast. Don't know if he actually is, but I'm just gonna say he is. Friend of the podcast, George <laughs> Lombard. Uh you think he's gonna get a managerial job next year? He should. I think he is. He should. I think he is. Why didn't he this year? I think uh yeah, I think I need to write something about George Lombard since we can't talk to him. Uh, when he first got hired, you know, he, if you haven't looked, go read the story about George Lombard's mother, who's a, a civil rights activist. And um, Lombard has a cool story in that regard. But I think I might try to write something about just who he is, like from a baseball perspective, what makes him kind of a hot managerial candidate. Uh, super smart guy, um, you know, kind of this rising young assistant. Went and got went back to school to get a psychology degree when he was already. Uh, coaching in the big leagues was like doing his studies late at night after managing minor league games I think um, he's gonna be a name I think you know we'll see what jobs open up but I think the jobs that open up this offseason might be a little more teams looking for a young guy to come in and change the culture and add some energy where I think a lot of the the jobs that opened up like Padres Mets were more teams that wanted a veteran manager to to help you win now. I think the Tigers are lucky to get Lombard back for a second year. I don't think you keep him much longer. He'll he'll be a manager one way or another. It's just a matter of when. You think him and uh, Chris Fetter had a friendly uh, bet on uh, New Year's Eve regarding uh, Michigan and the Bulldogs of Georgia? Ooh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, Lombard, former Georgia football commit. Uh, I don't know if they did or not. They they should have. If not, like what? Yeah, they should have. Yeah, a little uh, little rivalry within the Tigers coaching staff. So uh, also, that was not me trying to, for the record, like you know, put down Wolverine fans. It was an amazing season. Like <laughs> like for the record, I was not trying to do that. Um, it was an amazing season. Ought to be proud. It was a fun. Fun season anytime you get to beat Ohio State, all right? You made the playoff. It's a great accomplishment. It's hard to beat Georgia and Alabama's of the world, you know? It's just, it just is. So, why don't we move on to uh, to what I thought was one of your more fascinating articles. And it's, uh, like, 
it's it's good. It's obviously everything you write's really good, but like Hold on, can, can, can I address something first? Uh it, in the predictions I predicted that this will be Miguel Cabrera's final year. There's a guy who's always in the comments. His name is Robert B. I've long believed Robert B to be some sort of like Tigers or <laughs> Illich employee. I've gone through various cycles trying to figure out who exactly he is. I've had various theories. Uh, I have not been able to prove any of them. Like I thought he was different people. Honestly, now I don't know who he is. He's, he knows a lot. He's very knowledgeable. He always defends like the Tigers and Alavila for like everything they've ever done. So, uh, it's gotta be like someone, right? So shout out Robert B. Robert B was talking about like why this shouldn't be Cabrera's last year. Also mentioned like his vesting options. It'd be just best to let his contract expire, um, after 2023, because we don't talk about this much. He has vesting options for 24 and 25 if he were to finish in the top 10 of the MVP voting. Oh, wow. I guess Robert kind of makes this argument that, like, I, I don't know, Cabrera's agent or whatever could argue, like, well, what if those vest and he could get more money if they were to come to some kind of, like, mutual let's end this thing, uh, which is interesting to think about. And I was also like, really? Like, can, can anyone just be like <laughs> – like Miggy's not going to be a top 10 in the MVP voting under like, <laughs> let's forget these vesting options exist. Like even I guess a good agent would like argue for his client, but like, like seriously. And also, yes, I had a couple of readers point out, like there are no uh, buyouts in baseball. Like I know that Miggy's money is guaranteed. He's going to get paid whether he were to walk away or whatever. But someone also mentioned like Chris Davis of the Orioles who, um, terrible contract basically had to retire and he's having his 2022 salary spread out over three seasons like i think if if miggy wanted to walk away if the tigers wanted to wanted to cut things off at the end of this year that's kind of what i was referring to they could probably negotiate it in some way where they're not just paying a guy 32 million to retire in in 2023 um, you know, and hopefully there's a year it, like Miggy stays healthy and, and can finish out his contract. But again, I don't necessarily see that happening. Uh, that's one of my predictions and that's, that's kind of how I would address the contract situation. Well, on that subject, are you also shout out Robert B. I hope you listen to the pod as well. I don't know if you do, but shout out Robert B. Yeah. Shout out uh, on that. Your comments do not <laughs> go unnoticed. I used to respond to him. I kind of stopped because like, it's like, it was like all the time, but shout out Robert B. Appreciate your, and insight. all the subscribers at the athletic yes. of which there's uh, a great deal going on right now. I believe uh, uh, to subscribe to the athletic. So always a good investment there. Uh, are you fan? Are you pro? Uh, what's it called? Like, uh, final season like every ballpark does like a little tribute final last ride type 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 deals you, you pro that Jeter did it Rivera did it happens in other sports too sometimes yeah if you recall like um you know they had like the Miguel Cabrera day at Comerica late last season to honor his 500th home run and he just got like all these presents <laughs> from the team and I was like if I were a famous ball player I would absolutely do a last tour you would just get presents like at the start of every series, like the stuff Jeter and like Big Poppy got. Like it was, it was stupid. Like I think it was kind of overdone. But if I were a player, <laughs> oh yeah, hell yeah, I want a standing ovation from fans that normally hate me and just like random like a chair made of baseball bats. Yeah. Like yeah, that sounds awesome. You have know, some, so, have, sure. have like your competitor's I, boss I, give you gifts. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I am pro like graceful exits for all time greats. I I know it's hard. I know these guys want to hang on. Uh, I think it's good to see these guys go out in their prime, and you don't have to look at pictures of Willie Mays as as a Met or Hank Aaron as a Brewer or one of these days Albert Pujols as a Dodger. Like I, I think it's best to go out on top. I agree. All right, so let's let's go to uh, Comerica Park. You wrote. Uh, fascinating article as i was saying about comerica park and a little history lesson i mean obviously um the park opened when i was seven years old so i don't remember reading articles in the free press about uh about the the merits of why they wanted to build comerica park uh the way they did and obviously we're all familiar with the juan gonzalez thing which is what you touch on um i kind of wanted to start this segment by saying comerica park is a what ballpark blank 
fill in the blank there. Comerica Park is a blank ballpark in your mind after your research. Because I think it's fuzzy. Uh, I mean, it's big. It's a big <laughs> ballpark. <laughs> is it actually like a hitter's park or a pitcher's park? I would say it's not a hitter's park. But it's not as much of a pitcher's park as we like. Or I should say it's not a power hitter's park. It's also not as much of a pitcher's park as we kind of like to think of it as. The data just doesn't suggest that. There has been, what, above average run scoring in 11 of Comerica Park's 21 seasons. There's also been below average run scoring in 10 of its 21 seasons. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's actually closer to a neutral park. But I would say if you're, especially with the way the park is constructed now, like a left-handed power hitter, I don't think it's a park built for you at all. Well, do you think the poster child for, com- uh, not common, uh, recent complaints with the ballpark is obviously our old friend Nick Castellanos. Uh, based on the numbers, and we know his words, is it one of those things where maybe he's, is he as right as he thinks he is, I guess is how I would phrase that. No, and Nick's probably often not as right <laughs> as he thinks he is. And I love Nick. That's exactly why I love Nick, because he is stern and, and stubborn in his convictions. Uh, Castellanos had a higher slugging percentage at home in four of his uh, final five years as a Tiger. He benefited from the ballpark's spacious gaps. Castellanos could be a... a Good contact line drive hitter, and Comerica helped him. Now I do wonder, you know, I don't know the exact number of home runs the park might have cost him. Like, it is possible if some of his doubles became home runs that his, you know, his overall OPS still could have been higher. Maybe he would have got paid more. We've seen what Nick's done in other ballparks. He has, uh, he crushed in Wrigley. He crushed in Great American Ballpark. Those are stadiums built for hitters a lot more than Comerica is at the same time it's a misnomer for Nick to be like oh Comerica is like ruining my career which that's not what he said but sure sounds like you know this park's a joke um like how are we supposed to get compared to other guys around the league it's pretty close to what he meant um as a tiger he had an 807 OPS at Comerica and a 760 OPS on the road um there were parts of Cassiano's game that that um helped him benefit from the spaces in Comerica's outfield. You know, can we just take a second to maybe... Maybe the best thing Comerica Park ever did was not ink Juan Gonzalez for, what was that, eight years, 140? Uh, (laughs) It would have been a record at the time. Yeah, eight years, 140. Yikes. Because I'm looking at his uh, reference page right now after his one season with the Tigers. Uh, only 30 years old, by the way. He, he's an all-star in Cleveland the next year, and it's just it's just a steep decline. He goes back to the Rangers and is a, a fraction of the ball player he was during his heyday. He did hit 35 home runs for the Indians in 2001. But after that, his career high was 21. Or not career high, but his high in his next couple years was 21 in a season. So, it's not, it's not, it would not have been a great move for the Tigers. It would have made a lot of buzz, but it would not have been a great move for the Tigers. Excuse me, 24 home runs in 2003 for uh, for Juan Gonzalez. It would not have been a good move for the Tigers in or, uh, if they would have brought uh, Wong, if he would have agreed to that contract that they offered. So, good job, Comerica Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thinking of Wong Gonzalez on, like, the 2008 Tigers is just a strange <laughs> thought. And it makes it makes you wonder, like, did just 2006 ever happen if you're paying record money to, like, Wong Gonzalez? I, I don't know. Yeah, it was out of the league and uh, yeah, one game gone. in 2005. <laughs> 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 uh, but... It was interesting. I really did think it was actually really like the thought process behind Comerica Park, where I'm always a big fan of people zagging when everyone else is zigging. You know, I, I just find that fascinating. And 
you know, they were like, man, our pitching's terrible. There's all these, like, hitters' ballparks in the American League. What if we made a pitcher's ballpark? I appreciate that. I appreciate kind of staking your claim in something a little bit unique and making the adjustment, not being stubborn. You know, we, we, like, pe- we like people who aren't rigid here. And still kind of maintaining, like, Dombrowski's, like, Comerica Park will still be a, you know, a pitcher's ballpark or whatever. Maintaining, like, your core while also not being stubborn and, and making an adjustment that had to be hard to make that soon, number one. Because, actually, I remember you ever, best baseball game of all time, MVP Baseball 2004. We, we agree on that? Of course. Yeah, so I... Oh, 04 or 05, which one is actually considered uh, better? They're both terrific. They are both, yeah, they're both terrific. I think I might go with 05, actually, now that I think about it. That was, I think I would go with Yeah, five. Manny on the cover. That's what I was thinking because uh, 04 World Series, 05 season. Okay, so in that video game, it was pre move in the Comerica Park. Uh, uh, mm. uh, so you could, I would hit a lot of home runs with, uh, with Carlos Guillen into the bullpen, you know, from the, from the left side. Uh, and so <laughs> that's sort of like my recollection of the old Comerica Park, but not that, you know, only a handful of years they make a change, including taking out the, the ode to Tiger Stadium a little bit. I mean, that couldn't have been easy. Yeah. So I give the Tigers brass at that time a lot of credit for adjusting. And I tend to also think like complaints are a little bit overstated. And I think it's still something you can sell, which is what they sold this year to one Eduardo Rodriguez, made a mention in his press conference. And it's also one of those things that, the, as you said, the numbers dictated out that in some ways it's like a wash. Like it's just, it, 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 it's yeah. kind of random, more random than you would think. Yeah, this isn't really like going to be database, but I think about Eduardo Rodriguez. Like in theory, he should benefit from a bigger ballpark that doesn't have um the green monster which is something that could be a fly out other places could be a double and although it's very tall like it's it's good for right-handed power hitters it's it's a pretty close to home plate um but eduardo's numbers were also inflated last year because so many balls in play fell it's like well only more balls in play are going to fall in comerica that's why it's actually not that bad of a hitter's park um a lot of a lot of singles can fall that might not in other parks um, it's easy to get doubles in the gap. It's the best triples ballpark in all of baseball and it is pretty much every year. So, like, is he going to benefit from this or not? Uh, probably benefit from it some ways and might not benefit from it in other ways, and that's the that's the oddity of Comerica Park. So, yeah, my big takeaway, and I already knew this, but it, it's really reinforced by the data. It's almost lazy to just be like, oh, Comerica is a pitcher's park. Like, it, it's more, probably more of a pitcher's park than a hitter's park, but that's a little bit of a lazy narrative that we really overblow just because it's 420 to center, and that is the longest distance in all of baseball. Like, it's, you're not going to have a lot of home runs to center field. That's a fact. Um, but for me to go Nick Castellanos and just offer my unfiltered opinion, I do not think the Tigers should mess with the fences anymore. I think that's one of the things that makes Comerica unique is its dimensions, I don't think it's completely unfair to hitters, as we've discussed. I like that it's a talking point. It's something that gives Comerica a little bit of charm is the fact it's 420 to center. You have this weird part in, in right center where the fence juts out. Um, it, that That's kind of the character of the park. Yeah, and I still look at it as a, a beautiful ballpark, a great place to go watch a game. And it doesn't feel... Like, in today's modern stadium culture in this across all sports, it doesn't feel 20 years old, 22 years old, or whatever. It, it feels, it, it, like, at in certain in certain instances, once you get to that age, it's like, oh, when are we going to replace it? You know? Right. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that to me. Yeah, it's weird in that, no, Comerica does not need to be replaced. I don't think that's, that's like, that's silly, like... I wrote this article because they are talking about upgrades, and I think it's it doesn't feel old or dated in any way, but when you travel around to, like, um, Target Field, like, you start to see, okay, like, Comerica is definitely older than Target Field. There's some things the very newest stadiums have that 
Comerica doesn't. And so I think it'll benefit from some upgrades, some small renovations in the next couple of years. Yeah. And as beautiful as like the new Rangers ballpark is, I've been there a couple of times, you know, it's not like the ballpark in Arlington or wherever the hell, you know, sponsor they called it, you know, at the end there. It did not need to be replaced. <laughs> it was no that I. That's another one I don't. That's another Rangers thing I do not understand. I I love the ballpark in Arlington or what? Yeah, again, whatever it was called at the end. I, I didn't. That was a park that did not need to be replaced. It was it was a great ballpark, and I guess I don't know financially it was maybe good for the team to build a new park. But uh, yeah, let's not do that in Detroit. Yeah, that's that'd be a poor choice. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh... Do you want to touch on anything else before we go to Chronicles? I think I think that's all that is on my mind right now. All right. So, little college chronicles for y'all. We uh, we we've talked a lot about like characters in our lives that are like are like really good friends. So as we kind of make fun of them, you gotta know it comes from a place of love. Here's a character that I think we might have seen like. <laughs> only a handful of times but he also made a lasting <laughs> impression um if you guys follow me on twitter uh at kieran underscore steckley i i posted pictures of the house that i lived in my senior year it was right next to the to the strip which is where all the you know college age bars are and uh and i lived with our friend uh, murphy michael uh that we've talked about before and uh two females the four of us lived in this tiny little house uh and so they had they were more wild than michael murphy and i were like they were everyone was like oh my god these poor women gonna live with with kieran and and murphy and turned out they were the wild childs i mean there was yeah little did we know that was (laughs) yeah they were there were always people coming in i never knew who was in the house you know it was it it was crazy and so one of them was this guy named brad and because we were all fans of uh of of the show workaholics uh we we would always see him and be like you know do the line be rad is rad you know, with it because he was always intoxicated in some fashion. Even if he wasn't intoxicated, I'm not sure he would have spoken real eloquently. Uh, no. <laughs> and he oh, and he had these like three or four things that he said that just had us rolling that we still laugh about to this day. So uh, the first little instance of him just being a crazy lunatic is he... We had a wood deck on our uh, in front of our house, as as you recall, with uh, me driving my car through the black ice onto onto the deck. And this was after after the two a.m. The bars are closed. People are just hanging out uh, on the porch. It's probably twelve people there, and and B Rad is just kind of like rolling on the floor or on the deck, just speaking nonsense. I don't even know who he's talking to. I don't know if he knew who he was talking to, and for some reason, he started talking about venereal diseases, and he just was, I, I like I said, I don't know what the context was, all I know is that he's talking about herpes, and so he decides there's some chalk on the, that someone had for some reason, like sidewalk chalk, so he decides he's gonna write herpes on our deck. Now, normally, Someone would be like, you know, so-and-so has herpes, and be like a joke, haha. I don't think he even had that in mind. I think he just really wanted to spell the word herpes. He wanted to. He was unsuccessful. He spelled <laughs> herpes with a I-E-S at the end. So <laughs> he, he started talking about, so we said, dude, that's not even how you spell herpes. <laughs> it's like herpies, and he was like so confused that he did not know how to spell herpes it was like the weirdest thing to see this grown man on a deck trying to spell herpes with sidewalk chalk and everyone just yeah, like number one what are you doing <laughs> why are you writing herpes on someone's deck number two you spelled it wrong number three i think it was there for like a pretty long time so every now and i wasn't then, gonna just erase down it and see herpes <laughs> you know <laughs> uh that was b-rad this is one of those guys you you only meet in college like he was just i mean he was just an idiot you know it's like what like how do you attend the same university as us like what are you 
doing with your life. I told Kieran earlier, I, I don't know what he's doing now. I don't want to look him up because it'd probably upset me. I'm sure he's like wildly successful somehow. He also told us a story one time. Because we would egg him on and try to get him to just say, oh, oh, you yeah. know, so we'd be like, oh, what up, B-Rad? <laughs> you know, and he'd be, like, excited that someone was so hyped to see him, you know. And, uh, and he was, like, telling us this story one time about, like, him, like, running from the cops, like, through campus. And, like, he didn't have a shirt on or something like that. He's, like, climbing walls. It was... <laughs> As anything, he would say, it made no sense. It, uh, it, there was, no. you know, Cody's a writer. You know, we're in the communication business. We know how to kind of formulate a story. B-Rad did not. It was just a bunch of hokey nonsense, things kind of out of place. And he would just go on and on and on. And we'd be like, oh, dude, really? Oh, that that's crazy, man. Like, how'd you, how'd you get out of there? And so he also told us one time, I'll let you take this one cody he told us he had a new strategy for the opposite sex as he was gonna try to uh find himself a girlfriend i suppose yeah like i don't even remember the um the full story and i doubt he's looking for a girlfriend i'm sure he's just looking for a a woman to (laughs) spend the night with uh but we're talking to b-rad i don't know talking about girls or something and he's just kind of you know real confidently just like yeah trying out a new strategy it's called lying to women. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he said after that, but it was just like, he was just like so like serious about it. It did not it, you matter know? what he said after that. <laughs> the night was made. It's called lying I'm to doing women. this new thing uh, called lying to women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did he lie to them about? I, I think it was his intentions. I think that's actually exactly... <laughs> He went on to he would tell them he was looking for a relationship when in fact he uh, was not uh, quite ready to settle down, and he would just say the dumbest things all the time. Like there was, I think it was that same night for some reason, probably Murphy was like, "Be rad, is rad, like what up, dude? Looking good." And he was like, "Yeah, man, I've been doing uh, yoga and drinking some kombucha." And he went on to tell us uh, how this had been like upsetting his digestive system. It was actually disgusting to hear about and it was just kind of like dude why are you telling us this like wh- like why <laughs> to give you an idea of like why he was always around it was like he was one of those guys like you know he's a good looking guy um a little shorter you know like i think he was like a soccer player in high school or whatever he kind of had that soccer type uh type yeah. build um and he was such a goofball that no one was ever threatened by him like, you know, like, like women weren't threatened by him. Like, you know, guys weren't threatened to be around him. Like, I don't think anyone actually like, you know, I guess like for the women, I never really got the impression anyone were really like interested in him or anything, but he was always funny. He was a good time and he was like non-threatening. So like that allowed him to be into our life, into our social circle for those very limited experiences and, uh, and provide us with some memories that he has no idea He's like, he probably like, if we told him like, Hey, you know, those two dudes you would kind of like goof off with sometimes in college on the deck at, you know, Kelsey's house. Well, they're doing like a baseball podcast and they just told a story about you. <laughs> like he would, he, he would, that would blow his mind. I mean, he has no idea. We, he had this I, kind I, of I don't know if he even like remembers we exist. Number one, cause he was never very <laughs> sober. Like no, he, he also just doesn't seem like a person who like probably really recalled like people that well if that makes any sense Facts or how to spell sexually transmitted diseases <laughs> yeah i mean he has no idea that he's a legend in our lives is really what we're getting at we talk about b-rad often and quote like lying to women and stuff like that often and he 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 has no idea no yeah that goes as as you said it, it, that guy only exists in our college days we we couldn't meet someone like him in any other fashion and uh and he's a legend so that's another another character we came across in stillwater oklahoma hope you guys were entertained by that um and if you want go ahead and try it on your guy friends the 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 b-rad line you know i'm gonna try this new thing lying to women and just see what their reaction is because because uh, <laughs> it is just like the way that sentence is framed just forever will be funny to me like it's a new thing it's a new thing for me to lie to women, I'm sure. <laughs> it's a new thing. It's a strategy, yeah. he said. 
Like it never, no one, mankind has ever thought of it before. You know, like it, like he, he probably thought he invented it. To be honest, he's the innovator, <laughs> the innovator of lying to women. Be rad, legend. Uh, all right, well, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, thank you guys for listening, for following, for subscribing. Apple, Spotify, following on Twitter. He's at Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. Thanks for sticking with us as we were able to kind of have a little weekend off. But I was a little, I was a little restless. It didn't feel natural not being behind the mic. Talking Tigers baseball with my man Cody here. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Athletic. A lot of great stuff going on there, deals wise, uh, coverage wise, and uh, a great story about George Lombard eventually down the pike. You heard it here first, so yeah, I think I think I'm gonna hold you to that. The loyal listeners of Turning the Corner will hold you to that as well. And Robert B. will hold you to it as well. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Like I said, subscribe, rate, review, Apple, Spotify. We got a lot of things planned for 2022. Happy New Year. Let this be another year of growth for us individually, for the podcast, and maybe things go well for the Detroit Tigers. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Have a great weekend.